All right, we're gonna go ahead and continue on with the uh, announcements. Um, if you uh, didn't grab a bulletin yet, go ahead and grab one uh, because there's some uh, important announcements in there. Uh, thanks again to Erin for leading us in our music today. Yay! All right, so we've been announcing this for the past couple weeks. But uh, this month, October, is unofficially uh, our church's month of giving because every week we've been doing something where we're actively engaging in the community and maybe uh, trying to uh, give some stuff away or to contribute somehow to the overwhelming need that has been out there. Uh, so two weeks ago, we donated six gift cards to Family Promise of the Verdugos. And last week, we made a significant donation to a family in need in Romania through Stepping Stones Missions. Um, as uh, Emily shared last week, that um, their roof caved in because of a severe storm. And uh, to help uh, repair that before the cold winter season, uh, we made a significant contribution to help out with that. And this week, we set up a fundraiser for Haiti Earthquake Relief. Now, um, you know, by no means are we like a big church and we have like a lot of money or anything like that, but we do have some that we could give away. And so we set up this uh, fundraiser for Haiti Earthquake Relief through Compassion International. And I trust Compassion International. I've, I've, I've been a sponsor for a couple kids through Compassion for many, many years now. And for this specific fundraiser, 100% of the proceeds will go to families in need in Haiti. And if we reach our goal of $1,500, which is totally doable, our church will match it with another $1,500. And so the reason why it, that's the goal is because $1,500 is actually enough money to build a new home for a family in Haiti. And so we potentially have the opportunity to build two new homes in Haiti if we reach this goal. Okay, so uh, please go to our website and it's like right there on the top of our homepage. Uh, it'll connect you to where uh, the fundraiser page is and make a contribution and share it with your friends. Okay, anyone could donate to this page. All right, so share it with your friends and hopefully we will surpass our $1,500 goal. And as we've been announcing for the past few weeks as well, we've been live streaming on Zoom. Hi. I think there's a couple people watching right now uh, for those who are unable to join in person. Uh, but we're still, we're still recording, thanks to Riley, and uh, he uploads every Sunday night. So you can catch up there whenever you miss in person. All right, for the other announcements, please look at the bulletins. And uh, yeah, and uh, stay updated. Okay, so today we are continuing on in our Neighbors series, and we are talking about conflict, okay, conflict. And as I've been sharing the past two weeks, I, I've been working as a hospital chaplain for uh, this, this year, uh, through the majority of this year. And so just having, every week I have like new experiences, uh, really interesting encounters, and so many stories that I could share with you all. Um, most of them I cannot because of privacy issues, but I did want to share this one story because it's very, very relevant to conflict, uh, what we're going to talk about today. So throughout my typical day, I will visit patients and then I will document or like 
charted, what we call charting, like right away, okay? And each floor of the hospital has a, a nurse's station where different staff members can come and uh, check in with each other and engage with the other nurses or staff. And they have a bunch of computers there where we chart right away, right? So I will do a chaplain visit with a patient in that floor. And then immediately after that visit, I will go to that nurse's station. I will find an open computer and I will start charting right away. This one day, uh, this was on Monday, um, when I was uh, charting, uh, recording one of my visits, I heard a patient yelling from down the hall, okay? And the doors were closed and his door was closed, that patient's door was closed, but I could still hear him yelling all sorts of profanity and like making threats to like different staff members. It was, it was rough, okay? And his nurse was coming in and out of the nurse's station and I, she was visibly like stressed out and she was venting to her co colleagues about what was happening and I was overhearing all of this, right? And then as I'm charting, I see a request pop up to visit this patient in this room, right? And this nurse had put in this request for a chaplain to visit this patient, but she probably wasn't expecting that to happen until like the next morning because we get our list in the beginning of the day. We have our set patients that we need to see that day. Um, but I just happened to be there. And so I see that name pop up for that patient. And so I lean over to that nurse who's venting to her colleague. And I say, hey, would you like me to see that patient right now? And she like looks a little surprised, right? She's like, uh, are you sure? You, you hear him like yelling right now, right? I'm like, yeah, I hear him. But you know, if it's gonna help you, maybe I could help out a little bit, like help calm him down or something. She's like, okay, okay. Yeah, if you don't mind, please go talk to him. Oh, and if you can, try to find out whether or not he's been taking his medication. So I was like, uh, okay, okay. So I kind of go in with some sort of a game plan, right? Um, but like I shared last week, plans are overrated. <laughs> plans are overrated. So I go in with a loose like football plan, right? Not a blueprint, a football plan <laughs> where I have to make adjustments along the way. And so I go into his room and there's a couple like aides there, hospital aides, like kind of monitoring him, making sure that he's not breaking anything and he's not trying to break the window and jump out the window. Um, and, and as soon as I go in, he's like cussing at me as soon as I walk in the door, right? He's like, who the bleep are you? Get the bleep out of my room, right? And he's like yelling at me and I'm like trying to keep a calm demeanor. I'm like, hello, sir. My name is Al and I'm your chaplain today. He's like, I don't need a bleeping chaplain, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm just here to check in on you to see if, uh, I could hear you out, you know, hear some of your frustrations. And then he starts just like venting to me a lot, right? And uh, he's telling me like all about his past and like very, very colorful language. Uh, and then eventually he shares with me that like he doesn't like living at home, right? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then he tells me that he's been living in his car. I'm like, oh, okay. So you don't ever see, so he's young, okay? So he's still, Technically, he lives with his parents, and so uh, I asked him, like, so do you never see your parents? And then he says, I don't know, I don't want to see them right now, right? I haven't, I haven't lived with them for months because they always want to give me that poison, right? 
like, oh, so you haven't taken your medication for a while. He's like, no, that, that stuff is poison, right? And so I'm like, okay. So after I talked to him for like 30 minutes or so, he actually calms down. He stops yelling, right? Like miraculously, he stops yelling. And so uh, I say, okay, thank you for your time. And then I go back to the nurse's station and I'm talking to the nurse and I tell her like, oh yeah, he hasn't taken his medication for like months and he's been living uh, in and out of his car. She goes, okay, okay, thank you so much. And I realized a very valuable lesson that day about conflict and its relationship with peace. Conflict is a necessary element of peacemaking. Peacemaking doesn't just happen, okay? And oftentimes, conflict is necessary. Conflict is a necessary element of peacemaking. For me, I knew that that patient was not going to just calm down on, on his own and he wasn't going to become peaceful just by his own will, right? Like, people had to intervene and personally, I knew I had to engage in conflict somehow. I had to walk into that very, very tense situation in order to help diffuse it somehow. And oftentimes we think of conflict as like this negative thing, as something to be avoided and something that's wrong all the time, but that's not necessarily true. Jesus himself regularly engaged in conflict in order to bring about peace. Think about the times when he, conflict, uh, he confronted religious leaders when they were trying to stone a woman to death. Right? Think about the times when he said, I came to bring a sword and I will even separate a parent from their child. Okay? Talking about the necessity of conflict at times to bring about peace. So the verse that we're going to look at today, the passage we're going to look at today is only one verse, okay? It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and it might be a passage that you are all familiar with. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The dictionary's definition of a peacemaker is this. A person who brings about peace, especially by reconciling adversaries. Okay, this is like the secular dictionary uh, definition of peace. A person who brings about peace, especially by reconciling adversaries. Now, how can you reconcile adversaries if not engaging in conflict. It's almost impossible to reconcile adversaries without engaging in conflict. Peacemaking cannot happen without entering into conflict. We all want peace, but very rarely do people want to engage in conflict or enter into conflict. And when it comes to uh, resolution, uh, a conflict resolution, there are typically three approaches to this, okay? And this is what I learned in uh, seminary when it comes to war, okay, war theories, okay? But this is uh, applicable to our relationships with our friends, our family members, our neighbors, significant others. There are three basic approaches to conflict resolution, okay? The first one, which 
a lot of people might immediately think of is just war theory, okay? You can enter into war uh, at a reasonable cost or necessary cost, okay? If it's just, justifiable, all right? But what is the problem with this? Okay, what is the potential problem with this? Thoughts? Subjective. It's subjective. Okay, what do you mean by that, Courtney? Uh, your reasonable cost might not be reasonable. Yes, yes. Reasonable could mean a whole sort of things, right? Like a reasonable cost might be our need for more oil to go into a, a country uninvited, right? Uh, what else? Anything else? Any other problems with this? Potential problems with this? Well, I, I think Courtney really just uh, nailed it on the head with that. It's a reasonable or necessary cost is subjective, okay? Um, the other approach to conflict resolution is pacifism, okay? Pacifist or pacifism, which is exactly what it sounds like. Passive or war avoidant by any means. They really do not want to engage in conflict or war uh, by any means. Now, what is the potential risk of this? The potential problem here. Not everyone's a pacifist. Not everyone's a pacifist? Well, okay, so what does that mean? Um, wars, wars may happen and one may be just, oh, that's my problem. Yeah, yeah. It's not my problem, so I'm not gonna intervene with whatever my neighbor is suffering or going through. Okay. And what else? You can't bring about change. Can't bring about change? Yeah, like, uh, like social justice issues, for example. Like, if we're passive, then nothing ever changes. Yes. But if we, you know, attract to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're passive, nothing ever changes. Those who abuse power will continue to abuse power, and those who are abused by power will continue to be subject to that. Yes, yeah. yeah so pacifism is not really effective. Um, so what Jesus is really getting at is peacemaking, okay? Peacemaking, which is nonviolent, active means of bringing about peace. Nonviolent active means of bringing about peace. And there is often a misunderstanding between peacemaking and peacekeeping. There is a huge difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Oftentimes, when Christians think of peacemaking, they confuse it with peacekeeping in that they don't want to engage in conflict. They don't want to like fight with people or argue with people, okay? Uh, and they, they don't, they don't want to confront anybody, okay? But that actually looks more like this. That's actually closer to pacifism than it is peacemaking. Peacemaking is active, okay? That's a key word here, okay? It's nonviolent, active means of bringing about peace. Now the word uh, peace comes from the ancient Hebrew word shalom, which the Jews 
uh, defined as wholeness or completeness. Okay, and th this cannot happen if one party or one group is suffering or experiencing injustice while another one is experiencing greed and abusing their power. Okay, that is not what shalom looks like. Okay, what shalom looks like is bringing about balance and wholeness and completeness. Jesus was calling God's people to be makers of peace, to be bearers of peace, and to be carriers of peace. And this cannot happen without actually entering into healthy conflict sometimes. When some people get assimilated into a community, they often pull back or leave the community altogether at the first sign of conflict. Okay, especially um, spiritual communities, unfortunately. Like oftentimes people think churches should never have people arguing, never have people fighting and have no conflicts, but that is totally not the case. Okay, in order for healthy communities to thrive, in order for us to get along with our neighbors, we actually need to enter into conflict. Relationships without conflict are typically shallow, immature or passive-aggressive relationships without any kind of conflict whatsoever are often shallow immature or passive aggressive but there's a little caveat to this okay the times when i've noticed healthy relationships that don't have too much conflict are like really really old couples <laughs> who've been married for like decades and like there's this understand they they know each other so well that like there's like very little conflict anymore um but that takes like literally decades to get there okay but i'm talking about most relationships that we have when they don't have any kind of conflict they are often shallow immature or passive aggressive i don't know if you've ever met a couple that has that never fight does that does anyone know like like romantic couples that like never fight does anyone know anyone like this any couples like this no okay so i i i knew i say knew okay spoiler i knew of one couple that were together for like over a year and they admitted to everyone they told everyone almost like they were bragging that they literally never have gotten into one fight and uh becky and i we we could not believe it right but they were being very truthful they were dating for uh, like about like six months after that, right? And then uh, when we met up with them again, they confessed to us, okay, we got into our first fight. It was really small. Oh, it was a small issue, but it turned into like this huge fight where we almost broke up. <laughs> I don't even know. They don't even remember what started it, but it was something minor that like eventually like gotten into this like huge fight. And like Becky and I were like so happy because <laughs> it just showed that they're human but also like that uh that they're normal you know and that like fighting is actually a normal part of being in a relationship now w when people try to avoid conflict by any means necessary okay that relationship will kind of eventually stay superficial or it will become passive aggressive okay and this is I'm, I'm speaking from first-hand experience because for those of you who are in, into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 9, okay? And the nickname for this is Peacemaker, which uh, might not be super accurate, but 
for someone like me who doesn't like confrontation, uh, if I suppress it long enough, it eventually like leaks out like sideways. <laughs> like it'll come out in really, really uh, passive aggressive ways. Like if um, I'm trying to hold in my anger or frustration with my kids, for example, for too long, uh, they'll do something like really minor and then I'll like yell at them for something really, really minor. <laughs> okay, so relationships without conflict um, are potentially problematic. Uh, so, how does conflict lead to healthy relationships? Okay, how, how do conflicts lead to healthy relationships? Well, the first thing, first reason is this. Okay, conflict leads to communication. Conflict leads to communication. When you enter a conflict in a relationship, you just, you need to talk it out. Okay, uh, it's like really basic, right? But if you feel or know that there is conflict in a relationship that you have with your neighbor, with your friend, with your colleague, with your romantic partner, uh, you need to talk it out. When conflict happens, how do you typically respond? Do you run away from it? Do you freeze? Or do you want to pulverize the other person to death <laughs> with your point? Okay, it's that um, whole primal instinct that humans have. Fight, flight, or freeze. Okay, fight, flight, or freeze. And none of those work. Okay, none of those work in order to build a healthy relationships. That instinct, that primal instinct that we have to fight, flight, or freeze uh, is inherent in us. It's in our bodies to protect us from predators when human beings were not living in closed homes, okay? When we're out like living out in the open or like in tents or things like that, that instinct of fight, flight, or freeze is given to us to protect our lives, okay? But in healthy relationships, that doesn't work, okay? We kind of need to do all three of those, okay? We don't necessarily like run away, okay? So we, we stay right there. We don't necessarily fight, but we engage in that conflict, okay? And instead of like, like freezing, okay, we, we actually have to like be active participating, actively participating in that conflict. I am somewhat of a TED Talk addict. And one of my favorite ones is probably one of the ones that is the most viewed from our author and psychologist and professor Brene Brown. And she talks about the differences between sympathy and empathy, okay? Um, and in her TED Talk, uh, there's this like uh, really cute cartoon that goes well with it. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's, uh, it really animates it really well. And there are several qualities that are distinct to empathy that sympathy just doesn't uh, have, okay? Like perspective, okay? Have, having the other person's perspective or withholding judgment, okay? A empathetic person withholds judgment or truly recognizing the other person's feelings. Basically, sympathy says, I feel bad for you and empathy says, I feel bad with you. Okay, that is a crit subtle but critical difference. So when entering into conflict, in order to 
have that conflict be healthy and come to some sort of fruition, you have to keep this in mind. It's not about you being right and the other person being wrong. It's about mutual understanding. And it's about you being present with your neighbor when you are engaging in this conflict. So for a lot of us, our immediate instinct uh, when we sense or feel conflict rising up is we fight, flight, or freeze. And some of us uh, who are really special love to fight and like duke it out. But rather, uh, if entering into a conflict, um, I encourage you to just be present, to really empathize and communicate in a healthy way. Because if you communicate in a healthy way, it will eventually lead to clarity. Okay, communication leads to clarity. Whenever my wife Becky and I are getting into a huge fight, and it's it, it kind of um it kind of has an arc. <laughs> Our fights, right? There's like something brewing, <laughs> and then you could build you could feel the tension building, right? And then it crescendos into this really really tense moment where we're heated and we you know we we are raising our voices and then eventually it'll plateau right stay right there and then we kind of calm down and right there when we're calming down is when we can really really understand and listen and understand each other truly truly communicate and our emotions are not barricading our words and we could I could let her words really enter into my heart and uh, my words enter into hers it does sometimes take longer to get there and then after that conflict there's clarity okay i understand what pissed her off or whatever or something that i'm doing that's annoying her um that's typically what our fights are all about <laughs> it's not like her doing something to piss me off it's like okay i i did something to annoy her or to frustrate her uh, and then there's clarity and that I have a really, really better understanding of uh, where her frustration is coming from. Conflict ultimately leads to good communication and hopefully that communication will lead to clarity in a healthy and constructive way. And then if you get clarity, hopefully it will lead to closure. Okay, it will lead to closure. I used, at first, when I, when I was preparing this message, I first said uh, clarity leads to closeness, but that's not necessarily the case. Okay, if you consider like couples who need to break up, right? If, if you're in a romantic relationship and uh, it's just uh, inevitable that you need to break up, that's closure, right? Maybe you, you go through this, okay, as a, a couple. Conflict leads to communication. Communication leads to clarity. And you're like, okay, now I realize our values are very different. Or, you know, uh, you ultimately want kids, but I don't. Or um, whatever the case may be, right, it will lead to closure. But closure is usually what can bring about peace in your heart. How many times have you felt restless, frustrated, or just like, uh, just tension in your spirit 
because you haven't experienced closure in your life. Now, I'm not saying you have to necessarily agree with your neighbor, okay? But at least for yourself, right? In your own mind, in your own, like, spirit, maybe you come to this place where, like, I have a better idea of who I am, and that, that's closure for you. Okay? Or maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it will bring you closer together as friends or colleagues or a couple, okay? That, hopefully that, that's the case, but that's not always the case, right? And then whatever conflict uh, began this whole journey can be resolved. Whatever the case may be, clarity will hopefully lead to closure. And the moment that that healthy conflict is resolved, it can either bring you closer together or it gives you the closure that you need to move on with your life, to move forward with your life and give you peace. As some of you know, um, I love being a part of different cohorts. Um, right now, I'm a part of a cohort led by um, Luther Seminary. Uh, it's all online. Um, and everyone is like pretty different uh, in this cohort. And uh, I am in a church planting cohort right now called Cyclical. Uh, it's led by my friend Nick, who spoke here last month. Um, and everyone there are very diverse. They're very different. And uh, but two years ago, I was a part of this cohort um, at this small school called New Begin House. It's named after uh, missiologist and theologian Leslie Newbegin, and everyone in this cohort were far more liberal than I was. I don't even consider myself that conservative, but everyone here, and, and it was also in San Francisco, <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but I wanted, I truly wanted to be a part of that cohort and wanted to learn from those who think differently from me. And when uh, the first in-person gathering that we had in San Francisco, I went up there and met everybody, and uh, eventually in talking to me, they realized like, oh, this guy's not a flaming liberal, right? And they would ask me, they would literally ask me, what are you doing here? <laughs> they would literally ask me like, what are you doing here? It's like, uh, if, it's like if you were to see a black guy at a KKK meeting or something, like, what are you doing here? And um, uh, eventually I, I, I had to tell, my, like multiple people repeatedly, I'm here to listen and to understand and learn. I'm here to listen and understand and learn. At first they were skeptical, but after spending a couple months together, they realized that was true. I wasn't there to agree with them with everything that they're saying. I wasn't there to like convince them that they're wrong, <laughs> uh, to win them over or anything like that. Uh, ultimately, I went there to listen and to understand and learn. They did change my mind on many things. Uh, hopefully, I may have opened them up a little bit to uh, what I believe. But that is really the goal of a healthy relationship, is mutual understanding. Mutual understanding, because peace cannot happen without that. I wonder if this is why Jesus asked us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. It's not necessarily because he cares about your enemies or your persecutors, 
although he does. He's saying this more because he wants you to be the kind of person that brings about peace. If we continue to hate our enemies like the rest of the world does, then that makes us no different from the rest of the world. For us to to actually be peacemakers, to be those who bring about peace, we have to be able to enter into conflict so that we could communicate better, so that it can lead to clarity, and so that could bring about closure and hopefully mutual understanding. In closing, okay, um, I'm not gonna ask you for names or anything like that, okay, but by show of hands, how many of you have any lingering conflicts in your life right now? By show of hands. Okay. Again, I'm not gonna ask you for names or anything, all right? Okay. Okay, thank you for your honesty, okay? Uh, And maybe some of you uh, others don't right now, but... um, Either way, whatever relationships that might be difficult or creating some tension for you, let's spend a minute or two just praying that on our own as we close, and then I'll close us for today. Lord, if there's one thing I know, it's that all of us have various relationships that we engage in. And some are healthier than others. Some are uh, more tense than others. And Lord, whenever we can feel or experience conflict brewing in between those relationships with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family members, with our colleagues, Would you give us the wisdom to discern how to approach it and help us to be be the bringers of peace, the bearers of peace. Oftentimes we are so living in fear and conflict avoidant, but that is not what you call us to do. Lord, you have given us a spirit of boldness, not a spirit of timidity. So Lord, we know and trust that as long as you are with us, you give us the wisdom and the patience and the love to be able to resolve these conflicts well. Not only will we have healthier relationships, but we will grow as your sons and daughters to be the kind of peacemakers you desire us to be. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
All right. Have a great week, everybody.